This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queros, Cammy here. I'm recording this in the past, so I think that July 18th is still coming up. If so, see you at Dynasty Typewriter. If July 18th is in the past, God, wasn't that a great show? I'm so glad you were there. But August 26th and 27th are definitely in the future, which means you could still see me at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Hey, today on the show, we've got Darren Karp and Liz Cully from the Scissoring Is Not A Thing podcast. I was on their show, and they're on this show. Please enjoy this wonderful episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. All right. We're feeling strong? I mean, I did Pilates this morning, and I did not do those ab exercises that great. So no, technically not feeling strong, but feeling alive. And alert. Well, I did an ab workout this morning. So Liz, I will compensate for you. And together <laughs> yeah, we make it's, one it's strong woman. Yeah, that's exactly. right. It counts. It counts. Well, wonderful. I always have folks on the podcast introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourselves? I very rarely do it with two people. So this is stressful. Let's see. Sorry. Okay. There was a big Don't. intake of air. You were ready to go. You knew how to do it. Take it away. Don't. Don't worry, we, we will field you with this with two people, Liz and I are good about this, but my name is Darren Karp. I am the co-host with the uh, lovely voice you're about to hear in a second of Scissoring Isn't a Thing podcast. I do a number of other jobs, but I go by uh, she and her, uh, but you can feel free to call me whatever you'd like. I'm not pronoun specific necessarily, and uh, yeah, my name is Darren Karp. Well, that was so lovely, Darren. Um, oh, I'm... I'm Liz Cully. I'm also the co-host of Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I use she, her. I also have a number of other jobs. Um, And I have a little dog named Ravioli who looks just like your dog, Cameron. So maybe we can have them meet at some time. That seems important. Do you think dogs, do you think dogs get as excited about that as we do. I've been just no. realizing as you brought that up that I, you know, for I think for a human, one of the most exciting things is our dogs look alike. But I, I know. don't know that I've ever seen a dog respond with a similar amount of enthusiasm upon greeting a similar looking dog. Yeah, I but, I, but think- I, maybe I've just missed it. Well, I don't think it's like, so for instance, I still stare at what I think are queer women in the street. Like, hey, hey, I see you. Like, I get really excited by it. Like, I'm seeing somebody out in the wild, just like me. And I do not think my dog cares. She's also a COVID puppy. She just turned one. And so she's a little like, oh, people, oh, dogs, oh, not that into things. So to answer your question, no, I think it's just me that's incredibly excited when I see other little dogs that look like her. Not that into things is like a, is something I'm going to take on as a descriptor for myself. I never, I never, it's just, that's like such a good, one on of a my exes day. used to, 
One of my exes Sunday? used to put on her Instagram stories being like, she's not a participator. And I was like, that's kind of accurate. Like, you're just like, not a participator. You know, I was just like, no. oh. Wowzers. I, get I also want to get back before we get too far into, into chit chatting away. The, um, there's a couple follow-ups I have. Number one, what are all these other jobs? Oh, what are all these other jobs? <laughs> Everybody's got a thousand jobs. What are all these other jobs? I mean, well, Cameron, Karen, Cameron, if you remember the last time we had you on Scissoring Isn't a Thing, I was in this childhood bedroom that you guys yes. were judging me for, which wasn't my bedroom uh, in the first place. I was into but it. yeah, no, you were you were into the teal, uh, like sea foam uh, comforter there. Creepy. It was it was a little creepy. Uh, but I'm back in New York in my apartment. I, uh, if you can see from the sign behind me, I. Uh, host a show for People TV called Reality Check. So I do that uh, for four days a week. I also have two other podcasts. One isn't announced yet, but the other one is, they're both true crime, true crime podcast called Shaken and Disturbed. The other one isn't out yet, so I can't say. And then my other job is to be Andy Cohen's full-time assistant. I've been doing that for 10 years. I don't mean to like, to break some news <laughs> that might be difficult, but that's too many jobs. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Also, can I just say that That's I did not... That's actually too many jobs. Hold on. Can I just say that I didn't know that you were launching yet another podcast, but good to know. Thanks Thank for you. keeping me in the it's loop. True, it's true crime, and I couldn't announce it yet, so I'm in the middle of producing Got it right it. now. But but I will say, I, you know, I'm 33, and we kind of graduated during the financial crisis, and I did think that people my age kind of, like, tried to diversify their portfolio by having a number of jobs just in case... One kind of fell through. But yes, I do understand your point. It it, it feels like a lot of jobs. Yes. No, that's actually super interesting. So was that, you know, during this 10 years that you've been working for Andy Cohen, have you always had other side gigs? Or were, or is this like a new, like where where does that fall? Have you ever, I guess my question is, have you ever just had one job? I haven't. I haven't ever just had one job. Never. Have you? <laughs> I have. I mean, listen, I started out as a waitress. That was one job. And then when I started mm -hmm. out with Andy, I said like, listen, like, you cannot be this high-profile person's assistant and also have other things going on. And I was very green. I just graduated. So, yeah, I had that as the only job I ever had for maybe, like, three or four years. And then when I started to get more into the in industry, I kind of started to pool my resources and get more and more gigs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't... Yeah, I've never had just one job. So I, there was not a time when I was just, like, a server and not anything else I was always doing, you know, I was always doing day gigs and night gigs. So I understand what you're talking about. Maybe some of that is a function of like artness in my life, but yeah, we're a different age. So it's, yeah, yeah. The gig and economy, like, wasn't something people were talking about when I was graduating from school. People were like, go get jobs and yeah. they will support you. And then you'll retire. <laughs> After which you buy is a house, true, right? which is Can't affordable. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Liz, what are your jobs? What are my jobs? Um, I work at Condé Nast, uh, which is a big publisher, uh, Vogue, Vanity Fair, GQ, etc. Heard of them. Um, Heard of them. <laughs> and I oversee the entertainment sales vertical out of Los Angeles and FYC. And so for the folks that are listening that are in the industry, that's for your consideration, which is kind of like an interesting um, subset of entertainment marketing. Uh, it's campaigning for awards. And oh, then wait, hang on a second. Hang on. I want to ask a couple follow-up questions. Oh, so you, okay. you oversee the sales for... Can, 
for for yeah, your consideration so I'll, campaigns okay. for the magazines. Yes, that is digital your job. and mag- well, that's one part of my job. And then the okay. other part of my job is I oversee pretty much all the studios. So any advertising that they want to do in the magazine or print or events or custom content or white label. So like Disney, you know, Hulu, Netflix, those are my clients. Stars, Showtime, everyone. Yes. And then um, that sounds like, hang on, this is a, yeah. this, that sounds like the kind of job where you get invited to lots of parties that are cocktail hours. Did I nail it? Yeah, Constant invitations to rooftop yes, venues. Yes. And I also like sort of plan those too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yep. 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 So, yes, that. Um, but I was she, a producer. You're a woman about town, Liz, is how I like to say. You're a woman on <laughs> the town. town. Yeah. 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 Yes, yeah. That's what it's yeah. Like. Well, to be honest with you, I started as a writer and a producer for places like Vice, and I worked at MySpace back in the day. So I worked at all, like, kind of grinding and also doing tons of other jobs as well. Like we've talked about the gig economy. I never just had one job. Even if I had a job job, I always had kind of some other stuff. So I I got into sales about six, seven years ago. And I'm like, oh, I like a cocktail party. I love to plan a party. So um, I do that. And then I sit on the board of a cannabis company and we have a bunch of little companies underneath it. And so we think about ideas for that. I also am a full-time dog mom and a wife. Takes time, and Takes we have time. this podcast. Which wife I doesn't count job. as job. What, really? I will. I will say no. I don't think it does. I think it's a. Oh. It's a separate. It's a separate thing. I run it a counts household. as like. I run a Cameron household? just demoted you, Liz. You got demoted now. That's what no. She, I, she took I'll a job it. away. Yeah. I. It. It's. It's more so that um. All of that stuff. All of that stuff. Wife, wife stuff. Not running a household. That is a job, but wife stuff that is somehow supposed to be fit into hours that exist outside of a job which if you're talking about the kinds of jobs that we're talking about it's like just as a follow-up question when are those hours you know you know what i'm saying i know well and it's so funny that that we're all talking in this way because i'm sure both of you would agree whenever i just talk to people normally like what i would call you know like the good regular people that have great jobs. They somehow have houses and do whatever, you know, two cars, they go on vacation, whatever. When they talk to somebody insane like me, they're like, how do you fit it all in? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that because I still really like to watch television and I make time for that as well. So I don't know. And so. Liz is a very good from if you've ever followed her on Instagram, which you all should, very oh. good cook. And she cooks. Oh. She'll like make creme brulee for fun on a Tuesday. <laughs> Who's making creme brulee for fun on a Tuesday? It's fun. Liz Cully. I have Liz anxiety. Too. Can we just be honest with ourselves here? I suffer from anxiety. And the, and I think sitting in the silence, then I have to think about everything. And I just I just keep moving around. <laughs> Anxiety makes me super productive too. Thanks. Yeah. That. Thanks that for Thanks, causing anxiety. me to need to do 5 million things at, at all times. It's, it's honestly, I find for me, it's too many things. The thing that the amount of stuff that I'm trying to pack into a day, uh, is it's actually just, <laughs> I'm learning about what's possible for human beings to actually, uh, get done. You know, it's yeah. just too many things. Um, there's a couple of fun follow-ups in there, Liz. I'm 
Uh, Curious about working at MySpace. What did you do at MySpace? Oh my God, I loved it. It was my favorite job I've ever had. It was the fucking best. I was a branded content video producer and on-air talent and a writer. So I wrote- What are we talking- what, what years? What years? So yeah. this was the just, poor Darren's like fucking MySpace. If I hear about this one more time, no, so I, like I worked there. There was an in, my, MySpace is so fascinating because you know you've you got the original time where I wasn't really on it because I was in New York. Talk about multiple jobs. I was like interning, working at restaurants. I allegedly might have peddled marijuana, like going to college. Like I was doing all sorts of things. So I kind of missed the like original MySpace time. Then it got sold to Fox. Then it got, and then it kind of died a bit. And then it got bought by these two guys in Orange County. They were brothers. Uh, and they had, they started the first ever like pop-up ads on, you know, like remember run, it's like horrible ads on your computer. Yes, of course. And um, <clears throat> they bought MySpace for God knows pennies on the dollar and they brought in Justin Timberlake. And I was bartending on Sunset at a place called The Evely. And uh, actually the woman who produces our, or was producing our podcast at Embassy Row, this girl named Sarni came in with Aziz Ansari. And they sit down at the bar and I had no idea who he was. And I don't know, I was like talking shit or doing something. And she looked at me, she's like, why do you work at this bar? I'm like, well, I find that offensive, but okay, because I like money and I'm hungry. So this is where I work. And she said, do you, I have this, I'm working at MySpace. And I thought she was told, I thought they were like joking, you know? She's like, do you want to come in for an interview? I'm like, what? You're crazy. I sent her a resume just because I'm like, this is fun. Like, let's see what, what's going to happen here. Like, maybe I'll, you know, it's like a Craigslist ad. Like, who knows where this is going to go? And lo and behold, the head of content was this guy, Joseph Patel, who had worked at Vice, who I had known because I had written for Vice. I got hired. I did branded content. The budgets were unlimited. They had hired the most amazing people. I flew all over the country. Every famous person, Adele, Drake, Lady, like everyone was found on MySpace. So everyone said yes. I was able to like get money to do pro like fortune themes you probably know here in LA. We were friends. I was able, she hadn't really quite like broke, broke yet. We were able to film one of her, um, her hours, which like, it was just the best. I had the most fun. I was the last person laid off. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You'd still be there if, if you, I, oh my God. Yeah. I would, I had the fucking best time. I had my day job. I wrote about music all day. And then at night I would film people. Oh, it was great. Anyway, so oh my god, I I mean, that's a whole other. That's a whole other everything to talk about. I when I first moved to, L.A., the my like neighbor, was just a dude who, like, stopped me on the street. We just we just like passed each other walking dogs, and then he stopped me on the street. And he's like, I see you at UCB. I'm st I'm working at this like t place that was buzzfeed and he was like come do you have any ideas for any videos ever he's like part of the try guys this dude is and they have like a they have like a like a like a media empire based on them trying a bunch of things but anyway yeah he, the try guys this, yeah, yeah yeah this guy keith he was my neighbor and he yes so i went into buzzfeed honestly like when it, it was like it had 
I think it was like one of the first weeks that they had moved into a new building in Hollywood, um, right near Amoeba Records or where Amoeba Records used to be. Um, and they had like this huge airplane hangar space and like all of it, the like open concept and everybody's like sitting on bouncy balls and they're like, what do you want to make? And then we made like a bunch of videos called Ask a Lesbian. Anyway, it, it just is to say that it was sort of like, I feel like I had the experience of seeing like the first week where they were like, we have so much money and, yeah. and not like, not the people weren't making a lot of money, but like the company was like, we have blown up yesterday. We don't know what to do yet. Like we'll do anything. And all of the people who worked there were 22 and like ready to work 75,000 hours a week. Some of this ended up being really bad <laughs> to like fix their labor practices. But I just, it's just reminding me that what you're talking about is, you know, as we've like switched from, as social media changed the television landscape and we switched from like studios that have all the power to then like streamers that are now, you know, essentially just recreating television. Like for a minute, it was like, wow, TV's going to be so different. Now it's like, no, there's like channels. They're just called like, like <laughs> platforms. It's like the same, we, yeah. we like disassembled all of it and then recreated it. And that's just happened in the last like 10 years. And so it's just been a, a really funny time to do anything. That's what I'm thinking of as you're talking. Just anybody 100%. being like, well, we're on our way out. So do you want to make like a bunch of videos with Drake? Like, is that, you know, helpful? Like maybe we'll stay in the game with that, you know, and just having no idea what was going to happen next. Yeah. It's nuts. It's exactly right. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm looking at the time. How far along are we talking? Well, we talked a little bit about our origin seconds. stories. Um and how do you two know each other? Taryn, I've been talking a lot. Take it away. Liz and I met through that producer that judged her for being a bartender, Sarni. <laughs> um, and it was actually one of those things, Cameron, I'm sure you can relate on this, but uh, it's one of those things where it's like, Sarni at least came up to me and was like, hey, you know, I have this bisexual friend Liz and I think you guys would really get along and the first thing I was like there's are you no way she's called me bisexual she I'm definitely she was like she was like she's gay I think she said <laughs> she's gay because she you're married to a woman so like that it's was fine, like Sarnie's like fine. language about it and truth be told Liz is fine being called a lesbian like we've had this yeah. conversation before where it's like she, you know I I brought up your story Cameron of like coming out in the bagel store and I'm like Liz has to come out like kind of even as a bisexual like you have to kind of come out as not being gay and then also not being straight so it's like two kind of layers to it but anyway when Cerny was like I have a gay friend Liz I was like are you just setting us not romantically because Liz was uh married at the time still is no, and I engaged. was in a relationship I engaged married. engaged and she was like I said, are you just introducing us because, like, we're both gay? Because, like, not every gay person likes every other gay person. Like, that's not a talking point as much as you think it probably would be. And she was like, no, 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 no. Like, you guys have a great, I think you guys will get along very well. And I could see you guys collaborating. So we were both, like, fine. I was in L.A. We met at um, Chaconi's, I think it was. And we were like, let's have lunch. And literally, I think I introduced myself. I was like, hey, Liz, I'm Darren. And I grabbed Liz's hands immediately because Liz is into nail art, okay? She has, like, really long nails, okay? They're not and this is that long. This is, this is short compared to what I've seen on you. Like, you could be Jackie Joyner Kersey sometimes with your nails, okay? Like, <laughs> she could scratch me from 3,000 miles away with her nails, right? And I said to her, I said, again, 
did not know this person from from a hole in the wall. I said, you can't be a lesbian because like long nails. I was like, this can't be right. And Liz and I said it jokingly. Liz was like, I've gotten no complaints so far. And I was like, and we're best friends now. Like she had (laughs) taken the joke. She had taken the bait. And uh, that's kind of how we met. And we had just sort of thought about, you know, that kind of sparked all the stupid things that specifically queer people, but specifically even more into that, uh, queer women get asked, you know, oh, how do you guys have sex? And who's the man one? Who's the top? Who pays on a date? So Liz and I were just kind of kicking about this. And that's really how we came up with scissoring isn't a thing in that first meeting. And sort of our friendship has blossomed over this past, I want to say that was like, what, two years ago, maybe we met Liz? Was it? Well, and the crazy part is that we started our podcast in the pandemic and actually got to yes. know each other like this, like over Zoom. Oh, over wow. Yes. Yeah, so we've become the Bickersons. Everyone's like, you and Liz are like married. I'm like, yeah, we bicker all the time. And like, that's this fun way we tease each other. But this podcast is sort of like our friendship uh, really blossoming kind of live in front of the audience. And that's been really, really special, at least for me. And it's been special for me, Darren. Don't say don't it like know, Liz, that. You don't compliment me enough. I don't know. Yes, I do. Wow, I can't believe you guys are... Ending the show right now. Um, (laughs) Darren, I'm curious curious about, and I'm like, you know, this is your boss. I know you're not going to say terrible shit or anything like that. I'm not trying to dig for some dirt, but um, I'm curious because, you know, and I've had like a shit ton of, whenever I have like a cis gay dude on the podcast, like kind of invariably, we talk about how like, not not all the time, but it does sometimes come up how like lesbians and um, cis gay dudes are like we're not the same community. Like for in yeah. my experience, it's not like. But I don't know, you know, Darren. I don't know what your part of, you know, the queer community is like. I mean, the the one thing that is also true is that my spouse actually is friends with like a shit ton of gay cis dudes when i first met her i was like who are your friends and she was and it's like she's like turns it's just like everybody's in a tank top with like <laughs> muscles coming it's out and i was like top these yeah, right, exactly. men totally. these are this is your friends but that those are her friends um and i think i feel really intimidated around gay dudes i just do like they really intimidate me so i'm curious especially because you know you have this podcast that's like about identity or exploring identity you know, what that experience has been like working like with like prototypical gay man, like, ex- like, 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 uh, one of the gay men presidents. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would say and, and television. I, used to, uh, I yeah. used to go on tour with Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen. So I'm kind of in this cis gay man like realm here. And I know a lot of them. I will say before I started working at Bravo, I never had like, I had the kind of a group of queer women. Um, and I had some of my gay guy friends, but not a lot. And I, you know, when I started with Andy, I was still only recently out maybe for like three years and I had a girlfriend. And so it was just very, very, very professional. I mean, once I will say that in my interview with Andy, I did say that I was gay because I actually thought that would help me. And I think it did. Like, it was kind of like, you're in your lane. I'm in my lane. We won't have any sort of tension there. You know, like we can kind of key key and joke. And I think that did honestly help me once I started working for him and then watch what happens live. And then at Bravo, which is literally like the gay Mecca. I mean, it like, it, it is just, that is what it is, especially for cis gay men. Um, I got exposed to a lot more gay men 
uh, cis gay men and uh, have become friends with them a lot more. But I will say that part of my experience, and not with Andy because he's very respectful, although Andy and I have had these conversations, I do find there's a lot of misogyny with gay men and women, um, especially for me. Like I've talked about this with Liz a little bit that uh, sometimes like the meanest things I've ever been said to me um, have come from gay men. And they'll be like, how do you get women dressed like that? Or, you know, like, I can't believe you're walking out with that shoe or something like that. And I'm like, why do you care what I'm dressed like? I don't have any problem. I'm not judging you. And there is a lot of misogyny. And and Andy and I have actually had long conversations about it because he was like, is this true? Do you find that for the most part, obviously there's exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, do you find that gay men aren't really accepting of lesbians? And I was like, yeah, I do think that. And I do find that to be my experience for the most part, obviously there's exceptions, but as a, as a whole, uh, certainly in New York City, like you go to the West Side, it's all gay men shirtless with the crop tops everywhere. And then like the queer girls kind of have their place in Brooklyn now. Like we've kind of been ousted of Manhattan and now we're in Brooklyn in pockets of Queens. So I do find that there's a lot, there's not a lot of overlap between us. I, I'm cool with anybody that's cool with me. That's how I view it. Yeah, I guess I'm curious if that has impacted your, you know, comfort at work. Even just the, just no, just having had these experiences and then you walk in and you're like, oh no, the gay mecca, you know, like, I wonder, you know, is this ever on your mind? Are you ever feeling self-conscious? The reason I actually feel self-conscious has nothing to do with my sexuality. The reason I feel self-conscious sometimes is because I can't tell who's being nice to me to get to Andy or who genuinely likes me. And there is that. That makes sense. And so there's sort of that level of when I introduce myself to, let's say, a random group of cis gay men and they find out eventually what I do. Why am I all of a sudden more interesting to you? Uh, That that worries me a little bit. And I get very self-conscious about it because I can't tell who wants access to him. In terms of work, I've actually found that my sexuality really empowers me. I kind of, I don't actually mind being the only um, gay woman in the room. I think that sometimes it's it's it, it's in, it's interesting that there's not more of us where I work. I'm literally one of the only lesbians that I know at Bravo. Uh, and certainly there's not a lot of lesbian on-air talent at Bravo, which I have brought to them before. But I don't mind it. It like gives me sort of this empowered feeling in a lot of ways. It's never made me uncomfortable except when... I just can't trust a connection specifically with some cisgender um, gay men because I can't tell if they like me for me. <laughs> Which I know what you're thinking. How could anyone not like me? It's but that's it's, it's true. a great point. <laughs> it's a great point. There are a lot of people that don't, let me tell you. Liz, I know that you were talking about this when I was on your show, and it's like, you know, it's been a little bit referenced already. I think. For the sort of prototypical queer woman that is like clockable on the street, I might fall in that category. Hundred years. I might away. also. I might also confuse my neighbors. There was my my neighbors. My neighbor was. <laughs> they're like they have like a little kid, and the and the grandfather was out there and was like let's go say hi to that nice young man. I just went inside. I couldn't even deal with it. <laughs> I literally was like, I just, I didn't even say anything. I just, just turned around inside. quietly. Yep, I did. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Um, but you know, I, I'm curious about, well, especially now that you do this show again, that sort of like foregrounds 
um, sexuality and sexual identity. And I know that you also identify as bi. So yes, right. There's a couple different things going on there, but, but how, how does that play in your, not like with your friends, but you're at a bar, someone's asking you what you do. You say, I, you know, whatever. Are well, you shocking funny, the shit out of so- people? I'm always shocking the shit out of people. <laughs> Liz really wants to be invited to like dyke parties and she's never invited because no, no one, me. and she, it's like, she just wants to be invited to them and she just like, she never gets the chance, right, I just Liz? Don't. <laughs> I'm pretty Sometimes Some of them you can invite yourself. Like you just I gotta know. go to like divorce, which is a dance party here in LA or like Ooh, gay astrology. Been, you gotta go there. I've been to it's, gay astrology. They're just I free. Like I mean, not free, but open. And some of yeah. them have but, a then, cover but then, but then, here's what happens. <laughs> Tell me, <laughs> no one talks to me, and it's not, and it's been happening for how old am I? Jesus, I'm turning 36 this week. I this has been happening Happy for. Birthday. Oh my God, thanks, cancer. See, I have a lot of emotions. (laughs) See, that's a problem. I'm very sensitive. But this has been, I've lived in LA for 10 plus years. Like this has been happening the whole time I lived in. I used to go to Booby Trap. I used to go to all, there there was a party called Finger Bang, which was like really gnarly (laughs) at Foo Bar, which I would go to. I mean, I've really put myself out there, I would just like to say. And it really, I know a couple of folks like, you know, we know each other. We'll say hi. They come around. It depends on where I work. Sometimes they'll want a little feature in a magazine, which I always, no matter what, I actually don't hold grudges in that way. Like, I will always try to hook somebody up. That's like Liz Cully, number one. Most people I would say behind my back will will tell you that. Um, but nobody's talking to me at these parties. I'm just sitting there. I think people think I got lost. Like I said on the show, I think they're like, wait, does she think this is the Brentwood Country Mart? Because it's not. And it's fine. And I like it. It's been um, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I I mean, I married a woman. I feel like that was a really large gesture of letting y'all know that I'm not straight. Um, and I do not feel straight in any capacity whatsoever. And I think I, I keep I the identification for bi for me is the reality of it is like I and Darren will tell you, like, I get crushes on everyone, everyone. I can't help it. I love, and I don't even think I should even consider myself bi anymore, or I don't know what it's called anymore, but like, I love like a gender fluid, like non-binary moment. I think like it's pan. I think that's pan. Can I pan? I don't. I Omni. Omnisexual. Isn't that what we decided, Darren? Anyway, clearly we don't care yeah. around this joint. I just like, but I, I I keep doing it because I think that there is biracial. I think people don't talk about it. I think there's a lot of bisexual women that are married to men. And then therefore bisexuality is sort of like seen as the sexualization of women, which it's not for me. Um, I mean, it can be. Hey. But yeah, going to these lesbian parties, um, I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. I see some people. I say hi. I just feel really intimidated and insecure. And I'd like to think I'm a fun kind of gal, you know? <laughs> I hear you. I mean, I have so much compassion for what you're talking about. I think for me, you know, as I'm thinking through, it's not, you know, it's a lot. There is a there is a lot because there's a whole culture that happens for, you know, the I think the queer side of women in a particular city like i I think sometimes like a 
like a straight up, like I only identify as lesbian person, like that person might be, um, like a sports lesbian. Like that's, right. that's one thing. Thanks, like, Cameron. I like play a lot of, <laughs> like, you know, I, I'm a sports lesbian. I do a lot. But then for this like sort of queer thing that I think you're talking about, which is sort of this like community oriented, something where you'd be invite, invited to something. Invited. There's a lot, there's a lot I'm that goes into that. Because it's yeah, not just is. how you look. It's also like where you live, what kind yeah. of, car you drive if you drive a car or like actually don't drive a car i ride a bicycle because like that's like queuing somebody or something or then obviously things like race play into this hugely you know there's there are so many different factors and you know if you like because i think you live on the wet you don't have to you have to be more no no no, no, do you live on the west side I don't. I where do so, you live? No, I don't. I live by the Grove. I used to live in West Hollywood forever. And I, I think of the Grove as the West that's Side. That's West Side. It is the West Side. It is no, the West Side. No, it is not. It's actually called Mid City, y'all. Here, okay, well, here's, but no, it does. It I does matter because it's, because <laughs> I'm right. I don't, don't want to hear her. Please don't hear her. This <laughs> is wrong. <laughs> I don't want to go to the Abbey because it's straight people and gay men, right? So, like, I'm not going to go there. I think. What's been difficult for me personally is that I never felt comfortable in like straight clubs and bar- when I was younger, like who the fuck clubs now? Like not me, they're not this girl. I got inv- actually I did get invited to a lesbian party tonight, but it starts at nine o'clock on a weekday. <laughs> like what am I it's, supposed to do with my dog? It's, thirst- it's Thursday. I know, but like, <laughs> oh, fuck. You know what I mean? So anyway, I did get invited tonight and I think I'm going to go. But my point is that I never felt great in straight bars because I'm like, oh, God, I'm like not one of these fucking gen pop fools. And then I really go to the cool, like queer, primarily a queer female parties, like whatever. And they just don't talk to me. So I don't really know where to go. So I don't have to have an offline conversation. Thank you. Because I, no, I want invited. I'm a sports lesbian. I want to be there. (laughs) Give me give me that. Come on. Absolutely. Oh God! People are gonna think I'm such a nerd. But Darren, wait, you're in New York right now. Yeah. Yes, this is yeah. another thing that's true. Is that in New York though? You have um, like lesbian bars that are also yeah. frequented by like queer or funky people. There's also like a whole. I think a lot of the stuff that I'm thinking about in LA, it's like, it's like that's not what's happening here. It's like there's like a lot of like sober midday full light dance parties that are like body affirming. Like that's what's going on. Here. <laughs> and so that's very different than New York. That's like when you say like that starts at 9 yeah. p.m. You're like that it's a Thursday, but like that makes sense to a New Yorker. I think for an Angelino, it's like, but I have to be up at six to go deal with my skin in some way, you know, like whatever it is, like it's <laughs> like just a really correct. different cultural thing. <laughs> you're like, if, um, I, if I start my skin at six, I'm not going to be done until ex- six the following ex- day. <laughs> so it's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, but I, but I do think that like this stuff is really complicated uh. and it's, and it, I will say what we're talking about here, you know, I travel so much for work and we are also in a positions of like, massive privilege because we live in the cities that we live in because there are also a ton of people you know who live in smaller towns and like maybe there's a really cool bar that everybody goes to or maybe there's like a rec sports league that everybody's a part of this is what i hear anecdotally you know or like maybe cameron esposito is coming to town so you just all show up there you know like and 
and meet in the lobby. But um, it is, I think, some of this queuing and finding each other is part of what's going on for all of us, you know? And I think maybe like way less if you live in a huge metropolis and also way less if you're like following the very strict set of cues that, that we all decided mean something specific, like undercuts and an East side address. You know, it's like, there's a very specific set of cues. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know? Somebody if asked they just me yesterday miss it if for I, whatever reason. Somebody, yeah. yeah. I mean, somebody asked me yesterday, a straight guy, which is fine. Straight cis guy. Did I work with? I don't know. So probably a client. And he's like, oh. And I said something about my wife. And he's like, oh, do you call her your wife or your partner? And I wanted to be like, no, I have to say wife because I can't say girlfriend, can't say partner. Everyone will think it's my friend. I have to like choose. And I don't, I think again, you know, we talk about how important visibility is, right? But I think it is important for me to say that over and over. Well, because no one will believe me and they don't know what I'm talking about. But also because I'm like, have to be so clear because I'm like, no, 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 I like matter. (laughs) I am queer. I am not straight. And this is my wife. And, you know, it seems intense. But do you find Liz, and I'm sorry to ask a question, but I'm curious actually from both of your parts, because we were talking about the signals that it's just like you have an undercut and you live in Brooklyn or whatever. Like, okay, maybe you're the signal might be that you're more queer than uh, than het. But for me, if I hear someone describe their partner, that to me is like a signal of maybe more queer than heterosexual. Is that not the way for I you guys? I think that has evolved a lot. It's I like think funny. So too. Yeah. It's, it's the last couple of years. There's been like a huge, I don't know what is going on. Well, actually, I, this is my theory. I do actually have a theory. <laughs> Tell me. I'm curious. You know when, when, when marriage equality was going to happen and then some people were like, marriage will be ruined forever. Mm. Yeah. I think we sort of did do that the smallest amount because I think straight people were positively affected (laughs) by some of our culture, like bleeding out a little bit. So it's not just like, um, once we were in this thing and like our relationships were just as valid as theirs, I think that something did change and straight people like, I just have noticed a, a very specific change in how people talk. I've heard people use the word partner. I would say in it with an uptick of 5,000%. Like it just, True. Like, I agree. it is like I agree. such a big I change. I hear that. Another thing that's happening is this like huge change in birth rate stuff. And a lot of that is access to contraception and family planning those things being more available. But then also during this time, the Republican Party has been like intentionally trying to chip away at that. Education also matters massively. But I think that the way in which marriage equality actually affects like equality between the sexes, because then there isn't like a finite job. Also, another thing that happened is that women um, had more access to work because our parents' generation were able to go to college. And so then we grew up with parents that some of us that as second generation or even I'm actually a third generation woman in my family to go to college. Um, so anyway, all of these things, but one of them is us. One of them, one part of this I think is us. And I think we've really, um, I don't know. I just, 
I look at like my sister's relationships and it seems like things have gotten better <laughs> in what they think is possible. Um, and anyway, so the It Gets Better project should really be aimed at straight people to tell them <laughs> their lives got better because of us. I mean, agreed. What do you think? I love that. I, I, I actually do agree with you in so many ways. Like, especially even just for something that gets better project is hilarious if that were for straight people. But also I do think that like, I think before to your point, maybe 15 years ago, if you were like, oh, my partner, my partner and I just got married, you'd be like, okay, they're probably, you know, back when it was very binary of this world of like, you're either gay or you're straight. And that's kind of it. Uh, a partner would definitely signal that. But now it's like when straight people use it, I'm like, wait, are they, are they, what are they talking about? Like, I don't know. And they're, and I do think ultimately that's a good thing. I mean, it ultimately is, yeah. it's I think a great it indicates thing. I'm serious about this relationship and yes. marriage shouldn't be the only way that we indicate that. And I love it. Like, I love that people are using it. It I is agree. very funny though, when it is like the straightest looking straight guy that says that it's, it's actually, for me, it's the same thing as the like, super cis looking like cis guy who then shares his pronouns in their he and him and it's not that i don't want to hear them it's just like i it's like such a we joy got it. it's just such a joy it's not that it shouldn't happen it's Sweet. just such a joy That's yeah like if tom brady to like, was like shitting me what yeah he if tom brady him? did that or was describing giselle as his partner we'd be like Wow. Like, yeah, wow, how far we've come. It's amazing <laughs> to see it. Yeah, it is. It's amazing to see it, for sure. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Liz, I'm curious then. Well, and actually, I don't know this. Dare, and you can also say, I don't want to answer this question. Darren, do you, are, you, do you, are you a single person? Are you seeing anybody? Are you a married person? I don't know anything I, about that. I am betrothed right now. I am madly <gasps> in love with my girlfriend current. Uh, You're my, betrothed? My girlfriend right now. I, I am future to be betrothed. I mean, we were just talking about it sort of today, but uh, Darren. <laughs> this is big news. Well, she's been gone for three months, Cameron, and she's been in Australia, and she just landed in L.A. today, and I'm going out to L.A. to go see her on Saturday. We live together in New York, but her Whole family's from Los, uh, from Orange County, so she went to go like spend a few days with them. But uh, I am madly in love with my girlfriend, who was my friend for about eight years before we got together um, about a little over a year and a half ago. That's one way to do it. And Just slide way. them right over. <laughs> 
yeah. we're moving you in this category now. Yeah. And I will say that was the first person I've ever dated that was a friend first. And at least for me, like, it was really nice already having that trust there. Like, we knew all each other's kind of, like, shitty little things. And we still liked each other anyway. And that, to me, was very important. I didn't have to pretend not to be right. a shitty little thing sometimes for this person. So that was Oh, my great. gosh. I mean, that, that can be a really dicey proposition. How, if you want to share, how the fuck? Did you both manage that? Because I think for anybody to move, there's because, uh, because what is very important eight years into a friendship is that everybody wants to zoom into the next category. Not that you can't survive one person wanting to zoom and the other one not, but it just dicey, dicey. Got to make sure you're on the same page. What, how, how did you achieve this massive goal? And and on top of that, we sort of work like adjacently together because she, oh, yeah. she is, she is yep. the show. Actually, Liz was really on the front lines of this romance. Like Liz, Liz kind of knew it at the time, but she didn't know it at the time. I had Girl, to like, tell her that. afterwards. What she knew the sexual tension was palpable and she was there. But uh, Liz was, but I, to be fair, I was sort of in another relationship at the time. So this was kind of the first part of it, of the flirting. Sort of in another relationship. <laughs> sort of in another relationship at the time. You know, loose, loose yes, terms. I, um, uh, yeah. Loose terms, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving right along. <laughs> moving uh, along. Moving along. <laughs> um, you know, I always sort of had, she's 10 years older than me. And so I always kind of thought she's more successful because she's 10 years older than me. And so... Because she she's show runs our biggest show on Bravo. She is like the best executive producer What's in the reality the game. Biz. Show on Bravo. Below Deck Mediterranean, which is a yachting show, actually. Wait, so, what did uh, you she, say? She, Wait, what? I, below you, deck, below it, deck Mediterranean. Below deck, colon yes. Mediterranean. Yes. So yes. not just below deck, but below deck. Below deck. I don't know what this show is. I oh, need to know what this show is. It sounds. It's great. Is it, wait, and the captain I, is a lesbian. I, the captain's a lesbian. Oh my god! Can I? I don't. I've never heard of this. I have no concept what it's about. Could I guess? Is yeah, it please. so? Actually, yes. Guess. Okay, so it's like a. It's like the crew of a small vessel. It's a reality TV show that follows the lives of a crew. Like it's not a cruise ship. It's a smaller vessel, and it's a yacht. It's, it's a yacht. Mm-hmm. And you're like trying to yeah. Your fault. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Correct. Sounds great. Yeah. Correct. It's. It, we call it upstairs, downstairs, because it's like you have right. the upstairs, the clients, the rich people, the Liz Cullies of the world who are a little bit bougier. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Cameron? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? You have the bougier clients who want their, you know, their, wait, what's that daiquiri you like? Hemingway daiquiri, Liz? Okay, also, I, I think for Hemingway full transparency that yes. I was try. they did try to cast me on that show back in the day. <laughs> but, but, but you have to pay to go on it. Yes, sweetie, because you're chartering a yacht, baby. They have to okay, make money. Well, and sweetie. I, uh, okay, well, I yeah, she ain't go that on. bougie. No, oh and so God. it's like it's like oh the lives God. of the bougie clients and the things that they want. Because you're on a yacht and you have to, you know, you're spending six figures or whatever. But also, sort of the staff that really is making all of this come together. So it's the captain, it's the deckhands, as well as wow. the uh, stewardess, uh, stewardesses. So there's, it's on a big yacht. I mean, I wouldn't call it a small boat, but like. They're managed to do that, and it is a wildly fascinating good show. And Captain Sandy is, like, one of the only, at least out, uh, gay women on Bravo. So she's actually a good friend of mine, just through Nadine. It's nice. We have, like, our little—she's very cool. Um, oh. So with, Na- with Nadine, I had known that, and she is, she's a big deal. And I don't—I uh, felt like she, I was a little 
not in her league uh, in a lot of ways. But over the years, we would flirt. And I always thought she was so pretty, but I never really could take she's it high, there. For the record, she's very good looking. Um, she's just this Iranian like go- goddess, Cameron. She's just she's a goddess. And uh, <laughs> and then one day, like we were kind of talking, and we were—I don't even remember what we were talking about—but I just said, "Can I kiss you?" I was a little inebriated, which helped, which helped me. I was a little inebriated, allegedly. And I said, can I kiss you? Which I never do. I have no game. I don't go into, I don't pick up girls at bars. Like, I'm just not good at that. And she was like, yes. And I kissed her and it was the best kiss we both ever had. And we like sort of turned back from each other in that movie moment. And we were like, we can't go back now. We're in this. Like you and I are meant to be like, we are in this for the long haul. And we've been together ever since. Wow. Well, I mean, I can't wait till that also is a subplot of Below the second, below deck, colon, <laughs> Mediterranean. Yeah. Well, the best part I can't was, wait to watch that yeah, show. one of the higher, higher, higher ups, like the president of Bravo, when she found out about Nadine and I, Nadine is her name, she emailed me like a bunch of stuff. This is like the president of my network. Like this is like Andy's boss, 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 boss. She emailed me and she she emailed me a bunch of things. And she was like, P.S., heard you've been spending a lot of time below deck recently. What? And I was like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, I love you. Like, I love you so much for saying this. And it's so the funny. double entendre gets me every time. And it was just, it was great. It was great. Wowzers. Wowzers. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are, you know, this is, this is, <laughs> this has been great. And I'm realizing so something that I'm curious about now that I've heard this story. And again, you know, these are your personal lives. So anything that is like not something you want to chat about, Liz, sure. yeah. because you were talking about this difficulty of being identified i am curious about how you met your wife well (laughs) her bombshell wife too yeah true um i used to host the santa monica twilight concert series do you sort of remember that at all i have no idea what that is but it does sound does sound great It was great. So for a couple of years on Thursday nights, the Santa Monica Pier, the entire pier would be taken over and there was a huge stage and it was live musicians. Um, It always comes back to MySpace and MySpace was the music presenter and I was the like MC host. Right. And which is laughable. I was like, it was like 200,000. It was like like bonkers, like some, it was crazy. I would just get up there and be like, oh my, what am I even saying? So I was hosting it. And at the time I actually had met a girl at the Lexington. I did meet a girl at the bar. And like a couple weeks, I went home to San Francisco. That's where I'm from, born and raised in San Francisco. I went to the Lexington alone, met a girl, took her home to a friend's house. Don't ask about the details. Y'all can figure it out. She... Oh, wait, I think I had met her on like the Her app and we met there or something. Like the two times I had been on that app. This is years ago, eight years ago or something, seven, eight years ago. And, or seven years ago coming up. And she met me, whatever, she went home and then she instantly started texting me and calling me her girlfriend, which is pretty crazy. And I was like, all right, super femme, cute girl from Oakland, whatever. I was like, okay, that seems a little intense. So she flew down to visit me, but it, there was no vibe after that night and she was backstage. I was like, okay, I have to like do this thing. I'm sure I made myself seem a lot cooler than I really am, obviously. And so I'm on stage and it was the zombies performing, that old school 1960s band. And there was a 
crowd of lesbians who I casually knew, but not really, in the audience. And my wife was with them. And this is such an L.A., like, ridiculous story. One of the girls has a dog rescue where actually Ravioli is from. And Natalie texts me and go, and I had been texting her about dogs because, again, L.A. And she's like, hey, are you on stage right now? And I was, like, off on the wings um, in between sets. And I was like, yeah, I am. She's like, are you gay or not? Like, I know I've seen you around. And I'm like, yeah, like, yes. She's like, hey, I'm with this girl. She thinks you're cute. Can we come backstage? And I'm like, you can't come backstage because I have somebody else backstage. But like, let me see this girl's picture. And I saw her picture and my wife went white hair when she was like in her late 20s. And so I'm like, how old is this woman? But like, she's kind of hot, but okay. Anyway, she gave me her phone number. I messaged her a couple days later and I was like, or no, she had messaged me and I was like, this girl does not want to meet me. She messaged me and I went, oh shit. But I meant to like, oh shit. Like you <laughs> finally messaged me. She thought I meant, oh shit. She, she didn't want to meet me. Oh shit. Exactly. Oh my God. We met each other. Um, oh I was God. flying out the night. We finally met like that week. We went to Jones, which is like on Santa Monica, this restaurant and she didn't eat, which was so weird. And I ate an entire pasta, like spaghetti pasta in front of her. And then we sat in the pleasure chest parking lot talking because it was the only open parking lot watching sex workers get in and out of cars on Santa Monica, like making sure they were cool, watching them get back and forth. We talked till three in the morning. I got on a plane and like we've literally been together ever since. And that is how we met. Wow. <laughs> Also, bold move on Rachel's part. Rachel's her partner. Bold move on Rachel's part to be like, yo, go up to this girl. Tell her I think that she's hot and see if we can get backstage. Like, not only did she get to flirt with you without actually flirting with you, but she asked her friend to go up to you to try and get backstage. That's kind well, of a baller also, move. Also, wait, Darren, you know Rachel. Rachel doesn't give a shit about being backstage. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> oh, okay. But I just like that she was like, I like that she was just like, go, girl, like, do the yeah, work yeah, yeah, for yeah, me. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, Rachel's yeah. like... Work smarter, not harder. You know yeah, what I mean? Rachel's is, just smart. That's Rachel. That's yeah. Rachel. So anyway, that's how we met. And uh, yeah, we got married a year and a half ago. And here we are. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. <laughs> a year and a half ago was when? 2019. Yeah. Oh, okay. What month? October. Okay. All right. Almost two years ago. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of a... Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Oh. And I proposed as well just to really break down those, you know, norms. And I did in a terrible way, but you'll have to have us back on the show. That was like, well, that was, was also a harrowing experience for you. I remember you telling me that. It that was, was so, harrowing. it was like, I couldn't think of a worse. <laughs> yeah. You know, oof. I, it was, it was exact. Like after it happened, she's like, I don't understand why you didn't talk to me first about like, it was that bad. I basically threatened to sue her if she said no. It was so we can, strange. You can, you can do a... Let's see. We've got... Um, you got like two minutes? I'll yeah. Give it to you. All right. So... Yeah. Who doesn't want to get engaged under duress? Am I right, Liz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't want to get sure. engaged where their life sure. is threatened? So yeah. we had been approaching five years. And I was like, you know what? You've really robbed me of like the last years of my metabolism. So like, we're either going to do this or we're not. You know? Like, we've been through a lot together. So I decided she loves baby elephants. And so I was like, okay... What? <laughs> Why don't you don't have no idea where the story is going? Uh, no, I but just, I like, just I like that that's where yeah. it started. 
Well, I was yeah, like, right, exactly. what can does she love more than me? Potentially is like baby elephants. Got it. So I'm like, why don't we go to Thailand and, you know, go on a big trip and go see baby elephants together? Yep. So you following? Classic. Yeah, you didn't, yep. you didn't right. know that my, my personality was going to be like this probably, but here we are. So I'm like, okay, great idea. We're at her parents' house in Pennsylvania. I like give her like a couple of books for Thailand and she looks at me and she's such a planner, you know, she's a therapist. So she's like, what, what is this? I'm like, I'm taking you to Thailand. No one in the, in the living room cares. No one says a thing. I'm thinking this is like the biggest thing in the world. She looks at me and she's like, well, you didn't consult me about the times. I'm like, well, I looked in your schedule. Like, I think this is going to be fine. It's like eight days. I had planned everything like down to a fucking T. I was like, God, wow, this is really not going that great. So we get to Thailand. We do all these amazing things. We go to Chiang Mai where there's a lot of elephant um, uh, sanctuaries. And for her, like her biggest thing, which it should be, I mean, not to impose my own personal beliefs, but y'all, if they let you ride the elephants, don't go to that place. That is not cool. You should not ride on an elephant. Don't do it. But the problem is, is if you go to a sanctuary, Cameron, it is really fucking sad. And I didn't know that. So I have, I had planned on proposing to her at the elephant sanctuary. So I told the hotel, like put rose petals in the room, get the champagne going. Cause when we get back where it's going to be on and popping. Well, guess what? They put you, <laughs> they put you in the van and they start showing you animal abuse videos. We are sobbing, crying. We get to the elephant sanctuary and they're like, this is TT and TT is blind because of flash photography from the circus. This is like, you know, Bobo who hasn't left this one spot because her best friend died and she doesn't have a foot from a landmine. And we're like, oh Oh my God. God. So I'm texting my friends like WhatsApp. I'm like, abort mish, abort mish. So anyway. says love like a three-legged Baby elephant, right? So it was just a mess. We're crying the whole day. We get back. I run to the hotel. I'm like, abort. Like, get it up. You know, these lovely Thai people are like, what the fuck is going on here? Anyway, so every leg of the trip, I basically just kept, like, being a wuss and not doing it. And it was the final night before we leave. And and I'm going to spare you many, many details. Obviously, I like to tell a tale. We, it's the last night. I go up to the sky on our, like, where we're staying. We're on this, like, remote island. It was really cool in the Trang Islands. And I go up to the front desk. I'm like, can is there anything we can do that's special? And the guy was like, hey. He, like, comes around. He's like, oh, let me look into it. This guy named uh, Eddie comes out. And he's like, if you give me, like, 20 baht, I'll take you in my tuk-tuk. And I'll take you to a private beach. I was like, great. For sunset. So we go out there and I tell him, I'm like, this is going to be special. So like kick rocks, Eddie, once we get there, you know what I mean? So we go, my wife is so nice. We get to this private beach. There's a little bar and Eddie's like, all right, see ya. Like I'll be over here. And my wife's like, no, no, no. Like join us, join us for a drink. I'm like, no, no, don't join us for a drink. I'm so nervous. You guys, I have a ring pop because I thought that would be cute. I'm telling you, do everything I did not, (laughs) nothing I did. Anyone that's listening, I have a ring pop with me. All of a sudden, there are these wasted American college students screaming, dancing. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, let's go on a walk. Let's go on a walk. We go on a walk, and I just start, like, having, like, a fit. I'm like, okay, I love you, but if you say no right now, I'm going to sue you because you've, like, stolen my years. Like, honestly, I don't even know what I was saying. She then goes, wait, are you doing this? Don't do this. Don't do this. And then I'm like, what do you mean don't do this? 
Okay, we say yes. I'm crying. These kids, I walk up to them asking them to take pictures of us. I'm like, yeah, we've just gotten engaged. They're like, can you take pictures of us first? We want to do our sorority squat and our like pyramid where we all got get on each other's bodies. So there we are sobbing, taking pictures of kids. Anyway, that was that. Long story short, Rachel's been in therapy ever since and uh, is continuing on her therapy journey since well, her like life. She, as a therapist. She should be, actually. Yes. Therapist or, yes. If yes. anybody needs right, therapy, well. it's therapist. And that's just true. Anyway, yes. So feel free You'll to too. cut that out. Um, here's <laughs> yes. what I'm going to say. I'm going to wrap us up and, and send us on our way. Um, can <laughs> both of you shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you can be who you are today? God, Liz, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> you go first. Jerk. You jerk alert. You like, um, Cameron, you like that? You like that little move? making you sound so lame. Rachel, just screaming from the back. You're making me sound so lame. Okay. A person, place, or thing that made me feel like I could be queer. Um, Margaret Cho, the first time I ever saw her in San Francisco when I was like just a wee little thing, I was like, I don't know if it made me feel excited. I just wanted to be that. I wanted to be that funny and that cool and that free. And um, yeah. Margaret show. Well, I mean, I will say Andy Cohen for me definitely has always made me feel very, very accepting, very special. He talks to me all the time about stuff. Um, but I'm going to say the first thing that ever like got me very comfortable in sort of seeing maybe a gay person that I felt was kind of like me that I never really saw before was Dana on the L word. Boy, which do we fashion. not spend enough time in three of us talking about Aaron Daniels, but on this podcast today, we didn't. And I'm obsessed with her and I love her and I give it up to Aaron Daniels, but Dana. I know. One time I was standing behind, there's many people that I've met that I was very excited to meet. And then there's a moment where you're like, I'm not going to bother this person. And one of that was, I was standing behind Aaron Daniels, just waiting to get pizza (sighs) once. Just like she, you know, she knows you're there. There's no chance. (laughs) There's no chance that she doesn't (laughs) spot my button down to ass and is like, I wonder if this person is familiar with my work. You know, just <laughs> eyes forward. Not even, not even, but eyes on the prize. But yeah, we both knew. I thanked her with my heart. Oh, um, that's so It's been good. a real pleasure talking so to both good. of you and getting to know you better. And thanks for having me on your show, too. So, anybody that liked this chat, there's a reverse chat where I'm interviewed. Yes. And they're the hosts. It's wild that's right. the things that we can do in 2021. <laughs> Um, all right, you two. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having us, Cameron. Yeah. We really appreciate you bet. it.